Welcome to the Green Element Podcast, where we meet business leaders and innovators transforming their operations to be more environmentally and socially sustainable, and in the process, help you on your journey of sustainability. I'm your host, Will Richardson. Today, we are speaking with James Close, the Head of Climate Change at NatWest. NatWest's ambition is to be the leading bank in the United Kingdom and the Republic of Ireland, helping to address the climate challenge. Their purpose is to champion the potential of people, families and businesses. NatWest is the principal partner and banking sponsor of COP26. James has had a broad range of experience throughout his career and has worked for several high-profile accounting firms, including Arthur Anderson, Deloitte, Ernst & Young, to name a few. In January of this year, he became the head of climate change at NatWest Group. James, welcome. Thank you, Will. Great to be with you. Let's start off a bit about you, if I may. Of course. You transitioned from financial and strategic roles into sustainability leadership roles. How did that come about? Well, it's a really interesting question that I've been thinking about a little bit recently. Um, I, I started off in uh, in finance partly because uh, I, I studied chemistry at university and realised that I needed to understand business if I was going to achieve um, my career objectives. Uh, and then I found myself drawn to working with uh, utilities in, in the power sector as well. So got, got into energy really uh, at that point. Um, and then uh, I spent a bit of time at the Treasury where I was working uh, on public-private partnerships. So I got this sort of relationship between public and private and the role that energy plays. And um, as I was exploring that more and more, I, um, I was invited, I think it was about 15 years ago now, to uh, Sheffield to hear Al Gore give his speech on an inconvenient truth. Um, and at that point, I thought... Uh, you know, why aren't we doing everything that we can to address climate change? And what can I do personally uh, to get involved and to help uh, support that um, work? So I went back to the managing partner at EY and said, um, look, you know, I think this is really serious. It's great opportunity for us as a business. What should we do? And he invited me uh, to work on building a climate change and sustainability services practice. And we did some amazing work for the Mayor of London, who was Boris Johnson, now the Prime Minister, of course, on London as a low carbon capital. And we did some um, work on uh, the UK's comparative advantage of green business. But at that stage, it was quite hard to make a business case around uh, sustainability. So I thought I would uh, try and um, see how I could broaden my perspective and also link what I was doing in sustainability to what I think is the biggest challenge that we face, which is the the real inequity that comes from uh, failing to address climate change. The poorest and the most vulnerable who've done most, uh, done the least to contribute to emissions are the ones that are going to be most um, uh, affected by climate change. So I thought I would uh, uh, work uh, with, the, with the World Bank. I was very lucky to get a job there. And within a year, I was appointed as director for climate change. And that really got me at the heart of the conversation we were having at the World Bank about how finance is a means for achieving our objective of eradicating extreme poverty, uh, but also using it to mobilize uh, climate solutions and build a resilience in economies. And ahead of the Paris Agreement, we committed to increasing our climate finance to 28% of our total annual lending from about 15%. So we spent four years really increasing 
uh, our lending, building climate change into the whole system and the way in which we lent. Uh, and I saw some amazing results as a consequence of that, both in terms of uh, how um, countries like uh, Morocco were prepared to put this right at the heart of their economic plans um, and how uh, Pacific islands really needed to think about this finance to um, address the existential threat uh, of rising sea levels and build adaptation in their coastlines in the way in which they work and they live. Um, and, and it just brought home the power of finance. And, and I've always believed that finance should be purpose-led. So when, uh, when NatWest came calling and said they were building a, a purpose-led bank and they wanted to put climate change at the heart of it, I was really excited to hear about their plans and delighted uh, when they offered me the job as uh, head of climate change. Um, and it's been great to be here for the last four and a half months uh, working with the team to uh, build out the ambition that we've got and really embed it in everything that we do and take advantage of the fantastic opportunity we have of sponsoring COP. I am, and, it, and it is amazing what turnaround we've seen with NatWest with regards to climate change. I mean, we can't pretend that there, there is no history, but it's now being recognised as one of the leading big banks in this space. Yeah, it's incredible. And there is a certain, there is something about being part of the problem of the previous financial crisis, um, which, of course, RBS was was um, caught up in, um, and then building a bank that can be part of the solution to the next um, uh, crisis. I mean, we've dealt with COVID quite well in terms of the support that we provided for our customers. And obviously, they've had some terrible times uh, but we've been alongside them to support them but we're aware that you know climate change is you know something that we've got to be on top of uh, for the next um, you know decisive decade that people are talking about the, the 2020s being the decisive decade when we halve emissions so that we can get ourselves onto a net zero journey and that's what our ambition is we, we want to halve the uh, climate impact of our financing over the next by 2030 and that's um really galvanizing in terms of the organization's energy. Uh, we, we harness the, the amazing leadership of uh, our chief executive, Alison Rose, and um, the full you know, commitment of the board and the exec to get behind it. And so it's a, it's a great opportunity to uh, embed climate in everything that we do and see the opportunities that come from climate. We've got to finance this transition. Um, we've got to figure out how we're going to get money uh, to mobilise a new hydrogen economy, for example. I mean, how are we going to retrofit the homes in Britain that are cold and leaky as a result of um, uh, of the fact that they've been built in, you know, many in Victorian times? Um, so it, from that point of view, mobilising the finance to support our customers is a fantastic opportunity. And we're really delighted to be part of that and working in partnership with so many other great organisations who are uh, alongside us in this endeavour. With your experience, do you think the financial sector is responding quickly enough to the climate emergency? I mean, that's a really interesting question. I think um, what's uh, been, uh, again, really quite extraordinary is uh, Mark Carney and the role that he's played both to set the narrative around what finance needs to do. Um, and he, he initiated that when he was at the Bank of England, of course, through TCFD um, he's been a, a, a very vociferous advocate of carbon pricing, uh, but also as the uh, 
UN ambassador for climate finance and, and the advisor to the UK presidency on climate finance, he's mobilized this coalition uh, for net zero, the Glasgow Financial Alliance for net zero. And I think there's over $23 trillion worth of uh, asset uh, owners um, who have committed uh, to net zero. Um, you know, asset managers are also uh, bought into it. You know, we hear about a lot about BlackRock and uh, what Larry Fink's doing. Uh, and then, of course, many of the banks have also signed up to it as well. And we were delighted to be uh, one of the first signatories to that initiative. So uh, I think there is a lot of momentum building. Um, I think we have to be realistic about the scale of the challenge as well. Um, and I, we also have to uh, think about how we can best deploy our balance sheet uh, to support the transition. Um, and, uh, of course, that requires some difficult choices to be made. And, and we've made some of those uh, in the context of our lending to coal and oil and gas. Um, and others are going to have to, to follow. And we're all going to have to figure out the way to do this in uh, um, a, a way that supports our customers, uh, but facilitates the transition and, and measures the impact of what we're doing. Yeah, it's really interesting that divert divestment issue and what it what banks are doing it and you know who's doing it and we're seeing a lot of the universities now looking at looking at the same thing and going actually we need to start thinking about who we're going to be investing in and why we should be investing in what we're doing and I think we're seeing a lot about pensions as well at the moment I know that we Green Element have signed up to the the pension scheme but you know, we only have ever put pensions into more ethical funds and pensions are a mm. big part of the finance, but it leads straight back to finance again. I mean, almost all paths lead to finance in one form or yeah. another. In well, absolutely. And I, I think that, I mean, that's what attracted me to this. Now, finance can't do it by itself. We need to set long-term policy that enables finance to be mobilized for the right things. And we need uh, behavior change from customers as well to support uh, the transition. But it's really interesting, Will, the point you make about pensions. Um, and some of the conversations that I had with uh, some of the thinkers, leading thinkers in the pension industry at the World Bank were really interesting because what's the point of giving somebody a pension 30 years from now if they can't spend it because we're living through a climate emergency and two degrees of warming? Um, so uh, it is in the interests of the, uh, the, the, the pension uh, investor both as an individual and as the fund manager, to make really good decisions around that. Then the fund manager can do it on behalf of the uh, of the individual. And we as individuals can also request that our, we're doing as much as possible to make sure our uh, retirement isn't encumbered by um, having to address climate change and, and, and that we can you know, live in a, in a stable uh, world of, of, of a temperature rise of no more than one and a half degrees. So that asset and liability matching is right at the very heart of the role that finance can play. And looking at NatWest, and within the NatWest website, you have on it that you have a belief that you there must be a reciprocal relationship with society, the environment and communities. Could we delve into how you see this playing out, please? Well, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's so I think we start here with the concept of purpose. Um, and we worked with the uh, uh, blueprint for better business around uh, our purpose and defining our purpose. Um, and they have you know four different areas that are important around purpose. One is the sort of 
intergenerational equity piece, which is where we get into the climate change bit. Um, you know, the other bit is communities that we're part of and linking more directly uh, with them and and what we do to support them, uh, which of course is you know historically what banks have done, and it's something that we want to um, make sure that we're doing the most that we can uh, to support those communities. And of course, alongside that, we have uh, our employees who are also members of those communities uh, and our customers. And bringing all those stakeholders together in a purpose-led strategy enables us to really uh, reframe the way in which we make decisions and how we prioritize uh, what we do. Uh, But of course, you know, there's no point being a purpose-led company if you don't make money and you go out of business. So we also have to to make uh, profits. But uh, uh, that leads us to some, you know, really difficult choices and trade-offs that we have to make. And what we found is this uh, purpose-led framework helps us to make those choices uh, a lot more effectively. And actually, I think we find a lot of positive energy and goodwill coming from uh, staff members and customers as we make those choices. Brilliant. And I, you're being asked more and more about climate change and how it's affecting your clients businesses i believe as well yeah of course and it, it, it's it we're really proud of the work that we've been doing uh with octopus to give um our customers access to uh electric vehicle recharging uh networks at a, at a lower cost and also uh, use it to install uh vehicle charging where where that's appropriate um, and we're also collaborating with microsoft uh, to give um, customers access to uh, carbon footprinting data because th- that's going to be really important for them to make uh, better choices in terms of uh, how they uh, you know, change their operations to get access to low-carbon energy, uh, how they um, engage with their supply chain to make sure they're uh, building a supply chain that has sustainable businesses within it, and how they can link that to the way in which their products get used by their customers. So, you know, that measurement side is is also really important of the partnership that we're building with customers. And we're using, you know, we know we can't do it all ourselves, which is why uh, we've enlisted the help of some of these leading organizations. And, you know, we've had some other great conversations, so lots more really exciting things in the pipeline, I think. And that going back to that data, I guess you're in a really amazing position because you have that opportunity to be able to help your customers through the choices that they make because you can see the ramifications that can potentially happen through I guess it's about educating your commercial managers or relationship managers and um, helping them help their customers on their journey yeah and and again it's we've had a fantastic response to some of the work that we've been doing with the Cambridge Institute for Sustainable Leadership and the University of Edinburgh to put together really you know high quality engaging programs for our staff uh, and then also make available uh, refresher courses and other um, uh, training that supports them in making those decisions um, and uh, you, you know it, it really becomes then a, a team endeavor for us all to educate ourselves as much as possible and to be alongside our customers as they start on their journey or indeed for many customers who have already quite well advanced to take them to the next level and also to learn from them. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to sponsor the COP is so that we could profile customers 
so that other people could learn from what they're doing and how we're helping them. Um, and, and I think that's a really important uh, part of the whole collaboration exercise so that we can profile success and build confidence that other people can follow it. I mean, it, you know, it's a bit like your podcast, Will. You know, we're spreading the message here um, and we're all kind of engaging in the conversation in a way that uh, hadn't happened in the in the past so that we build up this, you know, a sense of confidence that when we act, it is going to make a difference and it's going to be good for our businesses good for our customers and good for the planet. I think that's it, isn't it? It's it's learning off each other, understanding where we can do better and listening to everyone around us. And um, our bank is a big part of the business that we're all running. And many SMEs are, you know, running their businesses and to have an element of expertise coming from their bank is massively beneficial. Yeah, uh, well, and... Uh, Again, I think there's a there's a, a, a two way feedback loop, isn't there? I mean, we we need to hear what our customers need so that we can respond uh, to it. I mean, we're doing a lot of market research um, and market segmentation, of course. Um, but uh, you know, some of the most exciting things I've done since I joined have been sitting on some of the customer panels uh, where we hear what customers are doing, and um, really inspiring to hear them share their experiences with one another and um, give the feedback to us about what more we could be doing uh, to support them. And um, I get a really positive um, sense of uh, what is possible here. Uh, Of course, you know, turning plans into action is always the difficult thing. Uh, But I think once you can see the vision of what the future can be you can start to bring people along with you and uh, be part of that journey um, and that i think is tremendously exciting and there's i mean you know let's not underestimate the scale of the challenge either will i mean we know that uh, we really do need to act very quickly if we're not going to um, find climate change gets into a runaway situation uh, and we we you know if we do it in the uk that's great and we can show leadership but we need other countries to come along as well, which is obviously why it's been so important to have the US back into the Paris Agreement and some of the uh, some of the proposals that the the Biden administration are putting forward. No, absolutely, and this leads me nicely into the fact that you've set up a new climate center of excellence within NatWest. Can you tell our listeners what this is and how it will help NatWest achieve its yeah. environmental ambitions? Well, we're a small group of, uh, of, of dedicated and committed uh, professionals with deep knowledge of climate change and lots of experience around it. Um, and we work in the strategy and ventures uh, team. So we're really shaping the future for uh, NatWest together with uh, you know our teams who are working on um, environmental, social and governance issues and working on the corporate strategy as well. Um, and, and many of our ventures, uh, which are the businesses of the future really for, for us um, in dealing in, in financial services. Uh, but we, we, don't, we, we really want to be catalytic. We're there to uh, work with the uh, frontline business operations. We're there to help them develop their plans and implement them. Uh, we're there to coordinate the um, messaging that we can give uh, and to bring the best practice thinking that, uh, that that's out there. And, uh, you know, we're always trying to stay a step ahead. We, we're, we're looking at things like uh, carbon pricing and carbon markets, which we think are going to be really important parts of the 
uh, future financial architecture that uh, that's going to be in place. Um, but we, we want to be catalytic. I mean, we don't, and you know, we don't have this desire to take over everything. We just want to be that sort of, uh, you know, grit in the oyster that creates this wonderful pearl of uh, climate action across the whole business. Um, and I think it, it was brilliantly conceived. I mean, it was conceived obviously before I, I joined. Um, and I think it's working really well. Um, we've got a lot of um, uh, positive engagement with the business um, and we can amplify uh, what others are doing by uh, taking, you know, our small group of, of people and applying the learning elsewhere. And then, of course, you know, we have uh, other teams uh, working on the education side and the training side, you know, on the marketing side, on the data and the analytics side. So you're building this whole kind of framework within the bank that enables climate change to run through everything that we do. Um, and that's very much, you know, what Mark Carney talks about in terms of the objective of, of Glasgow, that, that climate change should be at the heart of every financial decision that every organisation and every individual makes um, if we're going to, to really drive the ambition that we have to get us um, to, to, you know, climate stability. And I, th- I think you're proving that over and over, in the, certainly in the conversations we're having at the moment, because you've also got the Climate mm. Accelerator program and i believe that 50 percent of all businesses you want to help have to be in yeah, the climate 25. at the moment 25 percent at the moment um that's still an amazing ambition and it's just helping so many businesses and having been through the program prior to those um things and watching how helpful you are on that program and I urge any of our listeners who are smaller businesses to absolutely go and have a look at the um, program that we're talking about through NatWest uh, and just apply because you will find it massively beneficial. Well, that's great to hear, Will. And, uh, you know, thanks very much. You know, the best advocacy comes from your customers, doesn't it? And so thank you very much. I really appreciate that uh, endorsement. So if we could have a look at what NatWest are doing from an environmental point of view. So we start looking about how you engage your, you know, your staff with your mission and purpose. Uh, well, um, I think the the first thing uh, that we're doing is uh, it comes from the top. So uh, we, we had a, a climate week uh, where we had uh, Alison, our chief executive, very heavily engaged. She and I did a... Um, an, an all-staff town hall to discuss uh, what we're doing on the climate side of things. Um, we've we've got a, an extraordinary group of uh, mainly young people, but not exclusively young people, working on the Sustainable Futures Network, and that they're this is one of our employee-led networks. Uh, they're up to two thousand um, uh, people who joined uh, that group, uh, and they're really. Um, picking up the baton and driving it through the businesses, ranging from ideas around how we, you know, reduce the footprint of our operations, uh, you know, from our branches to our offices, right the way through to how we think about investing in our pensions. Um, And uh, they also do some fantastic events where they get customers along and entrepreneurs uh, to share their experiences and inspire uh, people within that network. Um, And then... Um, I think the the COP uh, sponsorship gives us a great opportunity to 
engaged staff. So a lot of our, our material on our intranet is about uh, how we're preparing for COP, the role that we're playing alongside uh, the UK government. Um, and we're also, as I said earlier, profiling customers, uh, but also staff members um, in, in terms of what does climate mean for you. So we're all becoming more conversant with the issues and we're all connecting with it in a more deeper level, uh, which I think gives us a great opportunity then to have different types of conversations in our communities and with our customers. Um, so it does feel as though it's embedding throughout the whole organization. And do you publicize? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Um, internally yeah. and yeah, externally. Yeah, we uh, the uh, climate-related disclosures report, uh, which we produced in uh, March alongside the annual results, was very well received. It's very detailed, goes into a lot of uh, information around our operational footprint, what we've done to reduce it. It's reduced quite significantly, obviously, in the last year with COVID. Uh, but we went beyond that. We also looked at uh, the footprint of our of, of, of the impact of our people working from home. Um, and we were able to quantify that. Um, and we bought carbon offsets to offset it. Um, so that's all very transparently disclosed uh, there. Uh, and we've also taken it a little bit further in our ESG report, which we call our purpose in action, which is uh, much broader than just the climate piece, but talks about the other areas of purpose-led activity that we're putting in place um, and putting the whole series of information and measures around it. Um, and it ranges from you know how our lending is split across sectors uh, to you know what we're doing in communities and local programs to uh, to support our purpose. Um, again, we've you know we've we've done a lot, but we've we've got a lot more to do. Uh, Will as well. I think it's we need to be really uh, transparent on the uh, our credible transition plans, which is what we work with with the oil and gas companies to justify continuing lending to them. Um, and we need to continue to earn the. Uh, the right to call ourselves a leader and, and others are catching up very quickly as well. So we constantly have to challenge ourselves about what more we can do. And on the lending side, do you lend to businesses that are more, I don't know, environmentally friendly or uh, more purpose-led? Do they get more favourable rates? Yeah. The, so we have a green mortgage proposition for our retail customers. Uh, it's a relatively small discount from uh, the ordinary mortgage, some, some really good uptake around all of that. Uh, um, we've also incentivized people when before the uh, the green grant scheme was taken away to take up that green grant with giving them some cash back uh, if they did that and took some lending up with us uh, for it. Um, I think what's really interesting is the way in which the green bond and sustainable finance market is going to emerge in terms of um, sustainability linked bonds, um, particularly where uh, there's either a penalty or a discount, uh, depending on whether businesses have uh, delivered against their uh, their sustainability targets. Uh, and I think that's going to become increasingly uh, important as we look at lending and financing in a carbon constrained world, because uh, we're going to have to you know optimize our balance sheet for that, those carbon constraints. And we're going to need to know, you know, what customers are emitting today, but also what their future plans are, because the matching of our finance will need to go alongside the uh, the emissions trajectory each individual business has, and that that's what goes at the heart of the transition. 
you know, it's very easy to count what we call the bright green, you know, the renewables lending. But the, the as Mark Carney calls it, the 50 shades of green. I mean, how are you moving from uh, the darker shades to the brighter green shades? And, and, you know, how are you helping also brown businesses change to be green businesses? And you look at it in, in for example, um, oil and gas services, you know, you know, there's a massive opportunity for those businesses to be part of the offshore oil and um, renewables uh, revolution. Um, and, you know, how, how do we support them as they transition their businesses to take their core capabilities they had in supporting offshore oil and gas and applying them to, you know, offshore wind power? Um, so, you know, lots of lots to do around all of that. I think we've got um, a lot of work to embed this into credit decisions as well, which is where the pricing will come into it. Uh, but they're all uh, things that are very much on our radar and very part, much part of what we're trying to uh, deliver. That's really, I mean, that's really interesting. So have you got any advice? I mean, you've seen so many businesses and you've worked in a variety of different sectors. I and mean, what sort of advice would you give organizations that are starting out on their journey? Yeah, well, I think the first thing is educate yourself and your staff and your colleagues about what where we are on this kind of climate journey. I mean, understand uh, the risks that we face if we don't address climate change and the consequences uh, of that, because, you know, that is what is going to be really uh, galvanizing, I think, for all of us. There's a brilliant Netflix documentary coming out very shortly by Johan Rockström. You know, if you've, if you've listened to anything, it's listen to him talk about tipping points and the earth systems and the fragility of those and how we're getting very close to some of those tipping points and indeed beyond them uh, for coral reefs um, and maybe for Arctic and Antarctic sea ice as well. So I think that that creates the burning platform for action. Um, and, uh, you know, talk to your kids about it as well and the next generation because, you know, they are genuinely worried about uh, what's potentially might happen here. And then I think the second part is to uh, really do some of the easy things. I mean, not that anything's particularly easy, but things that are uh, maybe a little easier, which is understand your current footprint, look about, look to sourcing renewable energy and green energy. Um, think about what you're doing in terms of your waste management. Uh, look at how you can improve energy efficiency across your operations. Uh, all of those things are things that can yield some pretty uh, rapid uh, returns and, and benefits. And then, you know, start thinking about how you embed climate in all of your propositions and um, how you think about sustainability in all your engagement with customers um, and uh, see if, if you can, you know, really uh, make sure that it's in the mainstream of your business, but also think about new propositions and new opportunities that it presents. Um, I think there's there's great scope as well for creating more um, sustainable business models, whether they're you know circular economy businesses that are really helping facilitate the you know reduce um, sharing, reusing, and recycling economy that's out there, um, and then um, you know make sure that you're uh, telling your story about where you've come from and where you're heading and um, how you plan to get there, um, because that's, I think, a very powerful tool of engagement. It's also a very good 
way of learning. I mean, no organization gets all of this right first time through. So when you reflect on, 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 you know, what your expectations you're setting for yourselves, the targets you've got, how you're delivering against them, there's a great opportunity to learn and to continuously improve. I think that's really wise and really important to note. I mean, I know a law firm that actually categorise their new customers now into um, risky clients. And if they are a client or potential client that looks like they're not going to do anything, they won't take them on. So you've already got organisations now looking at the profile of you as an organisation, which um, is only going to get more and more down the line. So really wise words. Thank you so much for joining us today, James. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you, Will. I mean, it, great conversation and, and really enjoy your podcast and the work that you're doing. It, it's fantastic uh, to see the contribution you're making. Delighted to be a small part of it. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And thanks for listening to the Sustainable Business Podcast. If you want to learn more about sustainable business and talk to other like-minded professionals, why not join our online community at sustainabilitysolved.org. Join now and find a space to collaborate, learn and inspire others to become more environmental. And if you enjoy the podcast, make sure you subscribe so you get every episode. And don't forget to follow Green Element on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram.